Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. Beginning with verse 1. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and went down to the shore where an immense crowd, large crowd, had gathered. He got into a boat, man after my own heart, where he sat and he taught as the people listened on the shore. He told them many stories, such as this one. Jesus said a farmer went out to plant some seed, and he scattered it across the field. Some seeds fell on the footpath, and birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell fell on shallow ground with underlying rock. The plants sprang up quickly, but they soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seeds fell among the thorns and shot up and choked out the tender blades, but some seeds fell on fertile soil and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone who's willing to hear, listen, and understand. His disciples came and said, Jesus, why do you tell all these stories? It's amazing how you will remember a story more than sometimes you will the actual truth of the Word of God being taught. I can remember in the first 10 years of my ministry that I, I served in farming communities. And I was around farmers and cattle farmers and, and cotton farmers and, and people who grew things all the time. And I had a little hidden desire. I said, man, I sure would like to be a farmer. Well, believe it or not, Jesus said, we're all to be farmers. And he starts off and he shows us in verse 3, he said, as he told the story, he said, son of the farmer who went out to plant some seed. What is it about the mystery of sharing the gospel that scares us so bad? You know, when I was young, I'm talking about young like 9, 10, 11 in the church. Somehow the Holy Spirit always got a hold of me and, and let me know that it's important to share the gospel. But, you know, sharing the gospel to me is a mystery. The reason for it is because while we share the gospel and we we share the seed, we scatter the seed, not everybody gets saved. Not everybody receives Jesus. Now, I hope that I'm preaching a house today that is sitting people or people that are sitting that have received the seed. That is, you've been saved. John 3 calls it being born again. But have you ever thought about this? That if the word of God was so powerful, why is it that everybody doesn't become a Christian? If the word of God, the Bible is, or the Bible is the word of God, then why doesn't the Bible have the same effect on everybody? It's a mystery to me. If the word of God is, or Jesus is the son of God, how come everybody don't believe in Jesus? 
Why is it that we have difficulty when it comes to sharing the gospel? Even you, many of you in here have never really personally shared the gospel with anybody. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I'm not trying to slam you. But why is it that we have such a hard time sharing with other people? You know, churches all over America are doing everything they can, coming up with every kind of plan possible to try to reach people. You know, other than probably paying people to come. One, you know, the churches will have high attendance day and they'll have bring a friend day. And well, this one particular church, they decided they were going to have a no excuse Sunday. Now, for a pastor, that's significant. Because when I hear people and I see people and I've started the Sunday school class, matter of fact, I invite anybody not going to Bible study. We're studying the book of the Revelation and we're just going verse by verse. Church by church. Anyway, that was a free advertisement. But then when I I realize not everybody gets excited about the Bible, and I don't know why. If we don't get excited about the Word and we don't get excited about Jesus, I know what you get excited about. You get excited about the very things that you make excuses why you don't show up or why you don't get involved or why you don't serve or why God can't use you. There was a particular church that decided they were going to be proactive in this, and so they decided to have a Sunday called No Excuse Sunday. And so what they did is they decided out in the vestibule they were going to provide cots because, after all, there are those who say, I I can't come to church because Sunday's the only day I have to sleep. Maybe some of you have used that same excuse. There are those who, the church also provided mirroring for those who had tired eyes because so many stayed up watching late television on Saturday night that they needed something for their eyes. Steel helmets were provided for those because how many of you have actually even said this, Lord of mercy, if I go in the church, the ceiling will collapse. Y'all ever heard that? You've probably used that as an excuse yourself. Then they had blankets for those who come to church and say, man, that church is too cold. And fans for those that say, man, that church is too hot. By the way, y'all say that every Sunday. <laughs> then they give hearing aids for those who say that the preacher speaks too soft. I don't think you have that problem. <laughs> if anything, you probably need cotton. But then when somebody says that the music's too loud... They give them cotton. Scorecards were given to that church because, after all, everybody wants to sit and see how many hypocrites showed up, so we tally it up. Relatives were brought in because how many of you can say, well, I would have been in church last Sunday, but I had to go visit one of my relatives. So we made sure I had relatives at church. Then there was, there was TV dinners. After all, who... How many of you use this excuse? Well, I'd have been there today, but you know, I had to cook because I had family coming in. What's that have to do with price of tea in China? Then there's this excuse of, and the church said, they want trees and grass put in all the church because after all, how many times have you heard this? I serve God a whole lot better out there on that deer stand in nature than I can in the house of God. Matter of fact, I had a discussion with my brother one time. He said, oh, I worship God out in the deer stand. You kill a lot of deer too, don't you? He said, I sure do. Well, you ain't worshiping. 
That's like me saying, I, I'm, I'm going to have my fill and go out. All you got to do this when you go fishing, just say you're going to spend time with God. And before long, you'll, you'll fill the boat. Your mind won't be on God, but you'll sure be catching a lot of fish. Then there are those who, they, they provided Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies because after all, that's sometimes the only time people show up and they're used to seeing that. Now you say, Mike, that's just an over-exaggeration. Is it? Well, Jesus shared an illustration and a story and it was about a farmer. He first of all begins by talking about the seed. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, we're told that the seed is what? The Word of God. You know, I don't know how you've been out sharing Jesus, but boy, sometimes when we get out there, we'll talk about everything under the sun. But Jesus said, our job is to scatter the seed. Now, I can't save anybody. I have never saved anybody. You have never saved anybody. That's not our job. But according to the word of God, all of us have been commissioned and commanded to scatter the seed. That's our job. That's back over 30 years ago. And when I came to Covington, Georgia, I only came for one, one reason, to scatter the seed. I'll scatter it through your family. You know, man, man, the best prospects for, for anyone to share the gospel is your people who don't know Jesus. Son, I, I'd love to go see him. I'd love to talk to him. Well, Jesus said, the gospel is the most important message that we could share. Now, I know there are people who say, well, the gospel is shallow. Well, let me just tell you this. If the gospel is shallow, why does it take the gospel to get to heaven? If you learned every deep truth there was in the word of God and missed the gospel, where are you heading? You're heading to hell. Romans 10, 17 said, faith cometh from listening to the message of the good news, which the good news is about Jesus. It's about Jesus coming to, to save you and me. The gospel is the good news where Jesus came into this world and died for sinners and rose again on the third day. And he provided free salvation for anyone who would come and receive him into their heart. First Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the scripture says, if you and I share that, it will not go back and come back void. Why? Because it's alive. It's seed that needs to be implanted into the human heart. Well, then Jesus talked about the sower. Look at it. He said, behold, a sower went forth to sow. Jesus was here three and a half years. The Bible said he preached, he taught, and he gathered around him how many disciples? Twelve. Now, that's interesting because that's a good way to start a church. Get you 12 men and pour your lives into those men. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the truth of God's word. And then send them out, as he did, 
into the communities and the highways and hedges and to compel people as they scatter the seed to come to Jesus. One particular issue puzzles me, and I don't have the answers. Why did Judas not come to Jesus? Even Jesus, three and a half years of pounding away, Judas still rejected the Lord. That's amazing to me. There are those who believe theologically the reason that happened is because Judas was predestined by God to go to hell. If, if I believe that, I'd quit preaching today. I'd, quit pre- I'd throw the word of God away if I believed that. Because I don't believe that. I believe Judas had the same opportunity that all the other 11 disciples and the same opportunity that we all have to receive the seed, to be implanted divinely through the Holy Spirit in our lives. But let's face it. And I want to spend the balance of our time here. The soils that Jesus brought about is so important. Jesus said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Paul said it like this, for all in Romans 3 have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In 5, 8, Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised his son from the dead, we can be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open his heart, will open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and fellowship with him, and he with me. That is the gospel. I preach it every time I do a funeral. I've had people, I've had people bring me into a, to a funeral service and say, don't you try to save nobody today. I said, do what? But I have a way. It doesn't matter if you're an agnostic. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. It doesn't matter if you're mad at God or whatever. I get those verses in. Why? Because my job is not to make you feel good. My job is not to make you a theologian. My job is not to take you deeper with God because you can't go there if you're not there. It doesn't matter what I preach from this pulpit. But if you miss the seed... The sower is Jesus, and he gives us the mandate in Matthew 28 and 19 and 20 to go into the world and to scatter and spread the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. We've been mandated to scatter the seed along with Jesus. And you know what? We're going to have some Judases along the way. They're not going to receive him. 
they're not going to accept him. And you know what? Some of them might be your family. Some of them might be your moms or your dads. But your job's not to save them. Your job is to scatter the seed. Now, I'm a firm believer that some of us need to be more skilled in our approach in sharing the word. And sometimes I think we're a little bit abrupt. I think sometimes we may be too exertive. And I think that's why Jesus gave us the soils. I want you to take a look at it. Because the first soil that he talked about, and I'm going to read it out of Luke chapter 8. A farmer went out to plant some seed, and he scattered it across this field. And the birds came and ate the seed. Now, he called that seed the footpath. Some have referred to it, I think the King James says, wayside soil. Some has referred to it as hard soil. Let me describe what some of you do. You get all excited about something like this and you get all fired up for Jesus and you want to go talk to somebody about Jesus and you want to tell them about it and they look at you and you say, get out of my face. I don't want to hear that junk. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I'm a backslidden Baptist. The last thing I want to hear is something about Jesus. Now, What are we dealing with? Well, the Word of God makes it pretty plain when it comes to salvation. You're definitely not dealing with anybody that's been saved. (laughs) On On the outset, on the beginning. But what we're dealing with is a condition here of the heart. You see, the soil is likened on the condition of our heart. And what we have here is a situation where... The stubborn heart rejects the word of God. It's the hard soil. It is the, it's the footpath. In the Old Testament, they actually would walk on a path to the point that the dirt became like concrete. Now, I don't know about you, but I've shared Jesus enough that I've run into a whole lot of hearts like the concrete. They're like a wall. And, and, and what do you do with those? I'll tell you what you better not do. You better leave that one to God. Scatter the seed. Go as far as you can. And leave it alone. Because you see, I want you to understand that God's involved. He is the one that breaks up the soil in our lives. There, were, there was a time everybody in here was lost. There was a time that you were likened unto a hard heart. There was a time that you look at the church and you said, there ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites go to that church. By golly, I, all he wants to talk about is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, I'm telling you what, you're, you're right. I don't want to talk about much more than that, even though I do. I like to bird hunt. I just can't get anybody to show me where the birds are except one man in here, and we're going to go. I like to fish. I already told you I like to farm. I like to do all those things, and some of you go, I don't like to do any of it. That's okay. That's just what I like to do. But I tell you what I really like to do. I really like to tell other people about Jesus. 
But I hear, I hit a lot of hard hearts. And if we're not careful, we'll cockatoo and get mad and get our feelings hurt. And we'll go home. I'm not sharing anymore. That's ridiculous to be treated like that. They're not treating you like that. They're treating Jesus like that. It's his message. It's his seed. It's the stubborn heart. Don't get overly excited. My heart was stubborn one day too. And I've seen some of you and I know you're stubborn now. I can't imagine if you were lost. I can't imagine what you let yourself do. The rich man had a hard heart. He rejected the word and he went to hell. But he got his heart softened. We, We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. And he got all concerned about his five brothers. Now look, if a lost person in hell will get excited about their family, why don't we that say get excited and get concerned about the lost in our family? I'm telling you, Jesus said, the way he set this thing up for people to get saved is to use us. Not the preacher. It's not just my job. It's all of your job too. And once that happens, hey, we got a few slots now in the house that we can fill it with some lost folk. Wouldn't that be neat? At the end of the year, we had 35, 40, 50 people get saved because you got serious about what you should be serious about already? No, you want to become high and mighty. You want to walk deep with God. You can't walk any deeper with God than have a love and a hunger and a, and a desire to see man that's lost be saved. Yep, you're going to hit a couple of them stubborn hearts, though, and it's going to make you want to quit. Why? Look, Satan's a, a religious nut. He knows all about that. That's why he'll send you to the one to make you the maddest. But then we see Jesus mentions another soil. The second soil he talks about is the shallow heart that removes the word. He said some fell on stony places. This was shallow soil. This was soil with not a lot of dirt on it. It was like a lot of rocks. It took root in the crevice... But let me tell you who these are. These are professing people who like to come to the church and be entertained. They want to feel good. They're observers. Now look, I don't want to come to church and be bored to death. And, and if you're bored to death in our music program, you got a real issue. And you might be bored to death because of the Word of God being taught. But look, Jesus taught this, so I don't think I'm on bad ground. But then when the preacher bears down on sin, and he bears down on service, or he were to slip up and throw a sermon in on money, not be not careful, but you can clear the house. I learned that through that building program. I I did not even have a clue that people were going to get mad because you want to be debt free and pay something off and get mad and leave the church because you talk too much about money. You know what that is? That's an observer. That is someone that's only seeking entertainment. 
That is a person with a shallow heart that their heart's not driven for the word of God. Man, I'll tell you what, Jesus talks about giving, but some of us are, some of us are so carnal, we can't take it. We're superficial, shallow. We make emotional decisions. Let me tell you something, nothing wrong with emotions, and I want to sense some emotion. I want to get emotional as a pastor, but if you're driven only by emotions, my goodness, you'll never learn anything. I'll tell you the emotions I want to feel, and that's when God's Holy Spirit convicts me of sin in my life. That's when the Holy Spirit says, Mike, you, you, need to, you need to own up. You need to show up. You need to look within your own heart, and you need to get right with me so I can use you. And I can lead people to Christ through you. Billy Graham preached for years what some would call shallow sermons but thousands on top of thousands on top of thousands were saved. Where's the voices of Billy Graham today? They may be talking about deep things, but there ain't a whole lot of people now getting saved. Too many of us are like the four or more and no more. Well, I'll I tell you what, you don't have a pastor satisfied with four or more and no more. Because if I'm going to quit and we have to quit sharing the gospel, and I have to quit preaching so I can encourage you to join me in our mandate, in, our, in what we've been called to do, then we're off course. Thirdly, he said, some seeds fell among the thorns and the thistles and the weeds. These are the strangled heart that restrict the word of God. They, you see, the stubborn hearts are closed-minded. The shallow hearts are confused. They're spectator-minded. But the third one, we know, are cluttered minds. This is the problem with the church today. We put too much emphasis on other things that don't matter when you get to, when you get to glory. We put too much emphasis on things in our life that actually we get so busy, we don't have time for Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with service, and I guarantee you, I don't, I don't sense anybody needs Ben Gay here to do, because you've overdone it for Jesus. Or you strained a muscle serving him. But the seed was sown among the weeds and the briars, and they were literally choked When that begins to happen, your discipline for discipleship, your discipline for God, your discipline for the closeness of God goes out the window, and you begin to slip, and you begin to slide, and slum right back into your old way of life. God came here through the power of his son, and his son desires for you and I to grow in him, not to grow necessarily in our knowledge, but his knowledge. For us and to use us to scatter the seed. Yep, we run into people who are more concerned about deer hunting and rabbit hunting and fishing. We run into people that don't want to come to church. They don't want to hang out with the hypocrites. You're going to run into all of that. And we all used to be like that in one form or fashion. Until something happened. The light came on. 
We had a, an encounter with a holy God. Now, that didn't make you any less tempted toward temptation, but at least you get connected to the Lord. The fourth, or that is, no, the third. Matthew 13, 22 says, The cares of this life involves preoccupied minds, the lure of money, making money, buying houses, buying cars. And we, we, we look at our value and our worth based on what we own and what we have. All it does is bring me worry and stress. Jesus referred to the deceitfulness of riches in Matthew 13, 22. You say, what's that? That's where we're more concerned about this world than we are the lost people in it. You're concerned about your jobs. I got news for you. We're all going to stand before Jesus and give an account of the hours we spend working for the world and ourselves as opposed to how we're working and being used by Jesus. But then there's the fourth, and that's the surrendered heart that produces the world of the, the word of God in a cultivated mind. He calls it the good soil, the fertile soil. When I was 19 years old, I was a member of a church called Gospel Baptist Tabernacle, and we went to Disney World. First time I've ever been to Disney World. Lord of mercy, I've been to Disney World many more times. With my grandkids and my kids. And I always remember when I traipsed those, those, the Magic Kingdom, you know what I'm talking about? They got a, a highway down the middle. And I'll never forget what the, they, they, they put a guilt trip on us because they said, you can ride all the rides you want to when you share the gospel three times. After you share the gospel three times, then you can ride. You don't have to share anymore the rest of the day. First one we went up to is a couple of ladies. They looked at us like, oh, you poor little kids. Where's your parents? Or they just, they just turned us off. They really didn't care. The next one, oh, they listened. I looked at Chris Webb. He's a friend of mine. He sells Cotton State Insurance now in Metter, Georgia. And I said, Chris, we're, we, we got one more to go. And then we can go ride all day long, man. This one guy was sitting up against the wall, kind of like this right here. I said, Chris, you, it's your turn to talk. You go talk to him. I was scared to death. Chris went up, and that guy had nothing in common with Chris. All of a sudden, it's on me. So we just shared what we practiced, what we learned. I started sharing with him, and he started saying yes to everything. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. We're, we're getting in too deep here. Let's back up and start again. So I started all over again. I said, he didn't understand a word I said. Before we left there, he prayed and received Jesus. I said, now I'm going to tell you something. You need to do what Jesus tells us to do. After you receive this, you need to go tell somebody else. Go tell three people. That's what we had to do. And then go ride all the rides you want to. Well, he was already there. (laughs) I didn't know what else to say. The boy got saved. I looked at Chris and I said, we ain't stopping at this. Man, we started, we were on fire. We started sharing Jesus with everybody. I didn't ride one ride that night. I started sharing. 
I said, this is too much fun. And we don't have to wait in line. There's people everywhere. We were walking out that evening, and all that parade junk was going on. And we looked over to the right, and there that, little, that 19-year-old, 20-year-old boy was sharing Jesus with somebody else. I said, there must be something to this. Well, let me tell you what I've never done as a preacher. I've never led anybody, anybody to Jesus that wasn't in fertile soil. I've never had. But now let me flip this thing. While this refers, I believe, in context to salvation, I believe also that I can prove, I'm not going to go to all the proof texts, but the stubborn heart that rejects the word. In the book of 1 Corinthians 2, and first three or four verses of chapter 3 talks about carnal believers. Carnal believers who've gotten to the point where they, they're stubborn in their heart. They don't want to be used by God anymore, either by sin or, or the fact that they're loving what they're doing. And, and they have put aside what they know to be true. They may have even seen this modeled through their moms or their dads or, or through someone else. And they're all hungry, but they got saved. And one they were excited, but boy, now they got a stubborn heart. They don't want to hear about people getting saved. And you don't get excited about it. A shallow heart, one who removes. These are people who get, they make shallow commitments. Or you make commitments and you, and you, and you get your feelings hurt and all of a sudden, boom, you're gone. The strangled heart is where we get on a good start, but then all of a sudden, we put everything in the world. The world just swallows us up and we lose focus. Revival is a surrendered heart. That's when God's people come back and repent and say, you know what? I want to be productive. I want God to use me and see as many possible saved through me as possible. And look, we're going to have Judas's. We're going to face all this opposition nobody's going to look at us and put a big old star on our chest and tell us how good a job we're doing. You're not going to get those kind of packs. Maybe except a few. Jesus, and I close with this. In John chapter 4, Jesus sat at the Samaritan well, or at the well, at Jacob's well, and the Samaritan came to Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus started witnessing to her. He promised her a water that she would drink that she would never be thirsty again. Now, that's a pretty good proposition. She was having to come there in the middle of the day, which means she wasn't probably the best of character. And she, all of a sudden, she looked at Jesus and said, who in the world are you talking to me, a Samaritan? Now, most of you probably got mad and pushed her in the well. But Jesus went on on the process, and he began to share with her. And all of a sudden, he looked at her, and he said, Lady, you've heard about the Messiah, but I am the Messiah. Now, I want you to go home and tell your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you said, well, you don't have one. You have five. And the one that you're with, 
This is why I know living together is not right. The one you're with, you're living together. She went back, had her sin exposed. Her heart was brought to surrendered. It was brought to fertile soil. And she began to tell everybody. Matter of fact, she had a massive congregation coming to see Jesus. We get saved and we don't tell anybody. You might as well say we're just secret agent Christians. But I don't have a verse that says that we're to be secret agents. I have a verse that says we're supposed to be a sower of the seed. Scattering like a farmer. With your heads bowed and your eyes.